Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What's going on, everybody? Patrick Bear here, and we are back again. It is now the month of October. It is rapidly approaching the end of the year. Where has the year 2023 gone? I've Into no the idea. toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in many, many ways has it done that. But we are back for our roundtable discussion of all things pop culture. I am joined by the voice you heard before, Brian. Hello. I'm also joined by BJ. Hey, what's up? And Eric. Hello. Hello, everybody. Um, We are back. We have convened. There's been a lot of travel. Um, All of us, actually, I believe, were gone in the past couple of weeks for different (laughs) adventures. (laughs) Uh, some more fun than others, uh, I think overall. Um, but Brian, you were halfway across the world in Japan. I BJ. was, I was, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to do a quick thing, but no, yeah, no, no, no. Tell us, uh, how was, uh, how was the trip to Japan? I mean, aside from, you know, not feeling well after getting back. Yeah. So I was just talking before we started about my illness that I have had since I got back, but the best parts of Japan was going to see a volcano uh, in Kyushu. There is an active, one of the, I think, most active volcanoes in Japan, Sakurajima, uh, which is the whole island. Uh, forgot the actual name of the volcano. But either way, it was really cool. Very worth going all the way down to Kagoshima, uh, which is a beautiful city as well in southern Kyushu. Um, but yeah, Japan was great. Food's always amazing until it decides it wants to infect your gut. And give you uh, some kind of gastroenteritis, which is what I got. So, yay, food poisoning. The good news, or it's not good news. It's not good news. The news <laughs> is what I got. That's, that's Sorry, I was thinking the song. Um, is not abnormal. You can get this called Campylobacter. You can get this bacteria anywhere in the world. It is a very common bacteria caused by underprepared poultry. And unfortunately, you have no way to know it is underprepared because you may not even get it from the chicken. You may get it because they cut up chicken, kind of like the whole salmonella. You know, we're always worried about salmonella poisoning. 
I will tell you right now, this is worse. Uh, so if you ever decide, uh, no, if you ever get this, uh, I'm sorry. And, uh, but yeah, uh, overall Japan was fine. I'm definitely glad to be back in the States and not sick. Nice. <laughs> BJ, you, uh, did a quick jaunt back to, uh, to Orlando and over to Palm Springs. How were those trips? Oh, it was so the Orlando one was just kind of a surprise trip for World Bear Expo um, that was in Orlando, Florida. And I surprised a bunch of people um, because a lot of people were like, are you going? And I was like, no, I'll be in Puerto Rico. And then those deployments ended end of September. So um, I gathered up a chunk of my points. I went down to say hey to some people, and then for my big 4-0, I was in Palm Springs for Western Exposure. So uh, Western Exposure XXL, which they have two weekends back-to-back now. So I, w- I came in on the second weekend because that was easier to book. Um, got to hang out with some friends, got to get up to a lot of trouble, um, and... Uh, no, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, and then I actually have another trip down to Orlando uh, next week for a hollow, a friend's Halloween party, Halloween slash birthday party. Nice. Very nice. And uh, happy belated birthday. Obviously, we, uh, we wish you a happy birthday on the page. And if you listening did not get to wish BJ a happy birthday, uh, feel free to do so in the comments. Throw up some birthday love on uh, the Facebook page or the social medias, anywhere that you can find us. And uh, Eric, did you do some curling traveling recently? I did. I was Ooh. in the in between Baltimore and D.C. at the Potomac Curling Club for the Glitter Bomb Spiel. Oh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that is lovely. I completely forgot it was this time of year, and actually mentioned it to mentioned it by name to a couple of Canadian bears while it was happening without even realizing it was happening <laughs> and then uh fa- then found out afterwards because uh chris mina i didn't realize he was also at the glitter bomb spiel so it's mm-hmm. uh that is lovely it's always that's always a good time so uh did you enjoy yourself how did you do uh it was a lot of fun i got to um curl with uh three other individual registrants so we were a team of four people who hadn't curled together before i got to curl with uh somebody that brian knows up at seattle uh neil what oh, wait yeah. a minute you you nobody has told me this until now <laughs> my mind is blown neil is one of my i mean he's a, he's he's one of my co-conspirators for rainbow spiel yeah. and he's amazing isn't he a lot of great fun and energy yeah, he was great fun. Um, yeah. Yep. That's awesome. Glad you had a good time, though. I I, uh, I miss some of those boys that I've met up there for that, uh, that spiel. So I am glad that you went and had a good time. I am uh, personally, I am back from a trip to San Francisco, which is part of the reason why I was in touch with Chris Mina and uh, was there for 10 days and still managed to not see Chris while I was in town. Uh, So that was, yeah, that was, that was tough, but um, I missed Folsom by a week. I went up the week after Folsom, but then the second, the second weekend I was there was a new festival called Barrison Alley which is they take over Harrison and make a little festival and uh, ended up running into 
uh, the guys from Stocky Photos, who I have not seen in about eight years when they wow. were at, at P, uh, not P Town, at P House for Bear Bust when I had them come down and do the photos from that event. And then actually just after that uh, at TBRU. I keep forgetting that I saw them after that with uh, the pictures with Joe and uh, Rick from where the bears are. And uh, they, they, so yeah, I ran into them. They had come down for, for the event and we're doing the 360 camera. Uh, so that was, a, that was fun. And ran into my friend Justin, who now lives in Seattle, moved from Maine to Seattle and w- is my birthday buddy who I met at Bear Bust, and we bonded over the fact that we both had the same birthday, and Bear Bust ended up being our kind of birthday party. So he coincidentally just happened to be coming to San Francisco. I reached out to him because I saw him post about Barrison uh, on somebody else's page or somebody else's post on Facebook, and then messaged him to say, hey, you're still coming to Chicago, right? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to be in San Francisco this weekend and Chicago next weekend. And I was like, well, guess what? We're going to be in the same city two weekends in a row because I am in San Francisco. Uh, so <laughs> I got to spend time with a good friend of the pod, Jamie. Uh, he was n- generous enough to let me stay with him. I uh, went to a concert, which I'll be talking about a little bit later. And uh, then did Barrison, did sightseeing, and also got to spend time with Chrissy. Because Chrissy was out in San Francisco for the Pink concert. So my worlds collided and it made for a fantastic trip. But I just got back yesterday. I had to get up at the ass crack of dawn and uh, <laughs> got about three hours of sleep before having to finish packing my bags and hop a flight at 630 in the morning to get back here at five o'clock at night, which then with traffic getting home, didn't get back until like 615, almost 630 last night. So it was a long day of traveling, but uh, I'm glad to be back and to chat here with you all. Um, about pop culture and uh, what we want to talk about. So let's jump into our first topic. Brian, I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to you. What have you got for us? Well, Japan uh, towards the end was a bit of a mess and I did not feel well. So I stayed in my hotel room for almost the whole weekend. But the one thing I wanted to do for sure while I was out there is see what is quite possibly, but not guaranteed to be the last Miyazaki movie uh, to see it in Japan. So on Sunday, no, Monday morning, uh, it was a national holiday in Japan called Sports Day. Uh, Very weird holiday, but whatever. Um, And I decided I'm going to go see the movie How Do You Live or Kimitachi wa Do Ikuruka in this US and in other countries. I think they're renaming this to The Boy and the Heron. Um, yeah. But I got to see this in the original Japanese, no subtitles. And <laughs> I will just tell you right now that even though my Japanese is getting way better than it used to be, <laughs> I definitely did not pick up probably about a, let's just go with a half of what they were saying. <laughs> um, and a lot of times in Miyazaki, you know, we've all, we've all seen Miyazaki uh, studio Ghibli films. Like you can just sit back and let the visuals and the music wash over you. And you can, you can keep up pretty well with what's going on. The problem was this movie is, it's a little um, obscure in times. It's a little um, abstract's not the right word because it's typically pretty straightforward. As far as the visuals, there are stylistic things that Miyazaki is now doing, making certain, uh, moments sketchier so to speak and that's to convey 
a sense of chaos and confusion. Um, but there are definitely monologues and uh, little character introductions and catch up moments where you're like, it would really help if I knew more than a handful of Japanese uh, <laughs> words right now. Um, but, uh, you just went expert mode. Like you're like, I'm gonna go expert mode for this movie. <laughs> I had to though, because like Miyazaki is one of my favorite filmmakers. Japan is like my favorite country to to go visit, whether it's for work or for fun. Um, I love the idea of seeing. I mean, I I, I was like, yeah, I've got to do it, and I knew it'd be rough. And I had heard already that this movie was sort of receiving mixed criticisms. Like some people love it. They think it's a perfect swan song to his career. It sort of recapitulates some of the ideas that he's had in other movies. And it kind of lets him put his own take on these other works that I'll talk about in a second. But, but, but uh, yeah, it's not everybody's cup of tea. And as a swan song, as a last work, it's bittersweet at a minimum, I would say it's at a, at a, a probably more likely it's depressing. <laughs> like it's not, a, it's not a good time in a lot of moments. <laughs> in some moments it's fun. So it's funny. Cause I was just, I was thinking like the beginning is sort of tragic, you know, this character, um, oh my God, I cannot think of his name. Uh, Masahito or my, no, Maito. Uh, Maito is sort of a young boy caught up in the aftermath of world war two and he loses his mother very tragically. This happens in the first like five minutes. So it's very dark and chaotic. And so the family that's left, the dad and Maito, they um, move to uh, rural Japan to be with uh, his mother's, his deceased mother's sister. Basically the dad, which is not an uncommon tradition in older bygone eras, the dad will marry or the man will marry the younger or whatever sister, the unmarried sister of the family to kind of keep it in the family sort of in a weird way. Uh, it's weird to us, but you know, um, so he goes back and he, he remarries this, this, this sister and the kid is Maito is just devastated. He's miserable. He, he wants to sort of, he, he seems like he wants to be doing something with his life either fight the war or to just just do anything to get off of this i think uh sort of wallowing in this depression and so he's having a really rough time and he's meeting all these women who stylistically look like yubaba from um spirit away i was just watching that again and uh they basically had, they took that same character design and like cloned her like 10 times and there's all these little older women <laughs> smaller than Yubaba running around like being like the nursemaids and sort of the, the servants in this uh, big household, uh, this wealthy seeming uh, estate. Anyway, so, so he's just miserable. He doesn't like his new mom. Um, you know, his dad's, you know, like a lot of Japanese salarymen's just not there <laughs> off working in the whatever is actually, I think he's a, uh, a lot of biographical elements poke in from Miyazaki's life. His, he did lose a parent in the war. I believe he left his, lost his mom as well. His dad worked as a munitions, uh, like an industry, uh, you know, business person, engineer, building uh, war materials. So that's sort of coming into this. Um, but yeah, so Maito is just miserable and sad. And he encounters this giant heron. And in anyone who's lived in Florida or other coastal communities, 
herons are like pretty from afar, but you don't want to mess with them. <laughs> They're they horrifying. Can be, yeah, <laughs> they can be pretty. Not intense. a fan. Yeah, Not a what fan. are the ones? What are the herons that we would get around UCF? Uh, the sandhill cranes. Oh, they're cranes. Okay, so similar, yeah. but yeah. So Sano yeah. Cranes, like they're, they're tall, they're big, big birds, and they're loud, and they're they're they can swoop in on you and kind of uh. So um, yeah. So the heron is kind of like that, and he's kind of harassing Maito, and eventually starts talking, and you're like, what the hell? Why is he talking? But of course, it's a Miyazaki film, so you know you're really not that surprised if you're used to Miyazaki films. So this is sort of the prologue. This starts him into the story. From here, he basically learns that like, if he goes with this heron, he can go and he can rescue his mother. And if there's some confusion about which mother, because there's his mom that died, and then his, his new mother, his mother's sister, ends up like going into the woods and then just like disappearing. So they're looking for her too. And ultimately, he kind of has to go on this journey to try to save her. Uh, in this magical world that's sort of the land of the unborn and dying. And it's just the spiritual realm that has a lot of familiar imagery. Again, if you've seen other Miyazaki films, he definitely seems to be referencing certain things, not overt, like beat you on the head, but like, again, the Yubaba looking old women, he's got little, like, I guess they're unborn children souls that look like the, uh, was it the from from Mononoke the uh, Kumoto? What no? What's the little the, the wood spirits? Um, the little alien looking wood spirits. Oh, um, those creepy things. Kodomo, Kodomo, <laughs> Kodomo. Sorry, Kodomo. And and it's stupid because Kodomo means kid in in Japanese, and they're just the children of the sport of the forest. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So so like he's got little elements like that, and like the soot balls or something that kind of looks like that, and. Anyway, so he's going to this magical world, and he's kind of trying to work with this heron who's very antagonistic. And, oh, by the way, at this point, it's no longer just a heron. It's a fat, bald guy with a giant nose inside the heron. So he's, like, wearing the heron as almost like a disguise, like a full-body thing. But he's got heron legs, and he's running around. It's a, a little disturbing, imagery-wise. It sounds like some sort of – it sounds like like some sort of oni or something. Uh, yeah, I think, I think he's got, yeah, I mean, they're, they're kind of spirits. They're kind of, yeah, I think you're, I think you're yeah definitely right. Um, so what stood out for me, so I don't want to go through the whole plot. I mean, hijinks ensue, he meets other characters, he has adventures, yada, yada, right. He learns something in the end. I think what stands out to me about this movie is the soundtrack. It's very minimalist. It's Joe Hisaishi. So same scorer who's done all the soundtracks for like the last long time with Miyazaki, but it's very stark and barren and just single piano notes and some, some minor chords. It, think of like breath of the wild, how minimal that was the, you know, the music was just so in, innocuous, but it's just, just like not almost non-existent, but then it would come in very bold and you'd get that like restatement of the day. So you, like a lot of that. And that just is unsettling at times in the score, because whereas a, a Miyazaki film, like, Spirit Away or Princess Mononoke or Sky's Moving, uh, Howl's Moving Castle or uh, Castle in the Sky, you'd get more lush, lyrical, warm music. And this is not that. 
I like it. I'm not saying I don't like it. It's just very different, and it sets a tone that makes this movie, again, very times unsettling. The other thing that stands out to me, there are a lot of birds in this movie. The heron, of course. Then there's a whole fleet of penguins, or uh, penguins, sorry, pelicans, that are horrifying in that they're massing and they're, they're eating the souls of unborn children at one point, which is kind of horrifying when you realize like what it is. And then there's like parakeets and there's uh, other types of cranes and there's just, there's just flocks and flocks of these birds. And then they eventually kind of become a fascist, like kind of Nazi esque army that are all birds, like bird people. It's, like I'm like, what did me? What happened to Miyazaki with with birds? Like, why is he so <laughs> horrified? And like, why does he need to? Um. So so yeah. I think I think you know if you're a fan of birds, you may or may not enjoy this movie. Uh, they, they do kind of do a cool thing when the birds leave this magic land. They become like normal sized, like simple whatever birds, and they're gorgeous and they're harmless. And it's kind of funny because there's shit all over the place. So several times when this like flock escapes through the door into the real world, it's like they just like all just swarm and sit all over the people, which is kind of hilarious. Like you're first you're like, wait a minute, is that oh that is all the bird droppings? Okay, that's that's a nice touch. Good job, Miyazaki. Very well played. Um, but again, what birds like shat all over his house or something, and he's just like reliving this trauma for us. Um This is like yeah. a really bad Batman origin story. yeah right i mean i well you know miyazaki uh if you see a recent video of him he's 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 shaven he's completely like clean uh cut now i don't know if that's a he screwed up one morning and or or maybe there's a reason i don't know he looks completely different so maybe he's he's getting into shape he wants to have a a second career as a supervillain, but um yeah. So, I mean, I will say this. I, I thoroughly enjoyed seeing this movie in Japanese and and living through this experience and having this moment. And, and, and it was really touching in that way. I will see this in the theaters uh, in the U.S. with uh, probably an English dub and or I'll do this, probably do both at some point. They did just announce the voice cast. And I was kind of surprised by some of the choices. Um, this came out, I think, today. I'm uh, always Christian. surprised about. I'm always surprised about the Miyazaki English voice cast. I'm always surprised well, by them. They usually do a pretty good job. Um, so we got Christian Bale, Dave Bautista, Gemma Chan, Willem Dafoe, Baron Fukuhara, Mark Hamill, Robert Pattinson, and Florence Pugh. So like some names that you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. He's they're they're all the hotness now or whatever. But I'm um. Yeah, I'm interested to hear those uh, those uh, voices and then probably never watch the dub again and only watch the subtitles because <laughs> I, honestly, though, I, that's that's always my preference <laughs> with these movies. So, uh, yeah. So when 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 the boy and the herring comes out in the U.S., which should be very soon, it's in been a been in a, fil- a few film festivals already in the States. Uh, but now that the voice cast is announced, I'm guessing it'll be like a few months, maybe. But but I think by the end of this year so. If you're a Miyazaki fan or you just want to try something different that's not your normal kids movie animation thing. Also, this is still hand-drawn, which is very special because, you know, Dis- Disney stopped doing that years ago, right? Miyazaki, Ghibli yep. even, like, largely stopped. They do mostly CG stuff now, but this is hand-drawn with CG, like, backgrounds and stuff. And it is just 
gorgeous and beautiful and dark and uh, eerie. And uh, yeah, it's a trip. You should see it. <laughs> How do you live or the boy and the heron? Oh, oh, I should, I should, I did say I would talk about the books. It is based on two books, not just the one called How Do You Live, but the, it's complicated because How Do You Live, is. it shows up in the story. It's actually a book that Miyazaki's mother, I think, gave him before she died and was really influential to him. And in this, this movie, the mom leaves this book for, his, for her son and he reads it. And it's, I guess it's a book about deciding how you want to live your life from a younger person's perspective, but with the wisdom conveyed of the elders and sort of just like life stories. Um, but the book, it, the movie itself, the boy and the heron is not based on that. Exactly. Um, I try and remember what the other one I meant to look this both up, but there is another movie that has a similar idea. Um, I think it's the, is it the borrow? No, sorry. That's not it. Um, it's basically the same idea that there's this kid and he discovers this building the building has like a gateway into another world and he lost his mom or he loses some family member. He has to go into the underworld kind of Orpheus ish. If you're, you know, into Greek mythology, go into the underworld to find his uh, loved one and, and bring him back. So that's what this movie is more an adaptation of. But um, yeah, the how do you live part is, is interesting. I kind of want to read the book now. Evidently it's a very influential book for uh, Miyazaki. So yeah, I don't know. Go check it out. Let us know what you think. Uh, and uh, yeah, especially this group here, when, when any of you guys end up seeing it, you'll have to let me know if I, if I painted an accurate <laughs> picture or if you were as horrified by birds as I was. I am scared. Uh, what do you give it on a flame rating scale? Oh, it's Miyazaki. So we'll do a 4.5 out of five because it's Miyazaki. I mean, it's and, and even, 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 even okay. Miyazaki is still so much better than most any other filmmaker alive or ever. So yeah, 4.5. All right. All right. <laughs> that is a film that we have discussed that I will <laughs> probably not ever see, but I appreciate hearing about it. Um, and that vivid description just gave me all I need to know about it. So I, I should be okay from here on out. All right. Uh, Eric, let's throw it over to you. What is your topic? Well, let's stay on the Mark Hamill train uh, and discuss the new spooky series on Netflix, um, The Fall of the House of Usher, which is... uh, This is is not about the musician Usher, right? (laughs) No, no, not this time. Uh, His house hasn't fallen as of yet, I believe. <laughs> Boo. Boo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, yo. All right, sorry. Okay. Back to the fall of the wrong black person. <laughs> wow. That's not Usher. Wow. The, 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 yeah, it was. I started with Usher, all right? I would like it known. You started with Usher. I started and with you Usher. You went to little, little John. Listen, Eric threw, it, Eric threw us onto that, and I just, I had to. Because well, they collabed on that song. It was, yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, there, were t- there were ties to it. <laughs> 
Oh, sorry, Eric. Back to you. So The Fall of the House of Usher (laughs) is an American gothic horror drama miniseries created by Mike Flanagan, uh, the creator of uh, the two haunting series of Hill House and Blythe Manor. Uh, And it's loosely based on the short story of the same name and other works by Edgar Allan Poe. So kind of the the short synopsis is the CEO of a corrupt pharmaceutical company faces his questionable past when his children start dying in mysterious and brutal ways. Uh, Yay, eat the rich. Oh, now I really want to see it. I didn't re- I didn't know that's what it was about. Holy fuck. Oh, <laughs> I'm in. You, just, you just wait. It gets so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, he, uh, Mike Flanagan brought back a lot of previous actors from the other series um, that he's previously done, um, including uh, Cara Gugino. Is that how you say your last name? Oh, uh, sure. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Have we ever said um, people's names correctly on the show? <laughs> um, uh, Kate Siegel, um, Rahul uh, Kohli. Uh, Again, sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, that's yeah. That's how you say his name, and I want to marry him. <laughs> BJ knows how to say it because he's going to take his name. One hundred percent. I I'm going to hyphenate, but I want to make sure the hyphenated name I know how to say. Have you seen any of the shots of him from this this uh, work, BJ? No, I I didn't actually. I just you, found you out get... today that Tom Flanagan like made this series. You're going to Mike lose Flanagan. your. Mike Flanagan, you're going to lose yeah. your mind. You're going to shoot your wad up almost immediately when you see how he looks in this. It's and he's a queer character. Oh my god, you got to watch it. Oh, and a, a video game creator and gay. Oh, well, yeah, maybe Pam. I mean, I don't know. Queer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> Just about everybody in this show, at least all of the children, all have. I won't say. Messed up is the wrong word for it. Unique sexual proclivities, I would say. <laughs> yes, that's, that's the favorite segment. I um, mean, we could go not through Eric the list. Not Eric trying to dance around king shaming. <laughs> He's like, I'm about to king shame. I don't want to anybody's yum, but um... oh god, don't he doesn't, no, not, he doesn't not want ick, to not ick. Not he ick. doesn't want to ick anybody's yum. I get Bro, it. Just, stop saying it. <laughs> Stop. Don't ick my yum. Oh, please that stop. Was one of the greatest uh, UK drag race songs ever. <laughs> what was the wrong with yuck? Don't yuck my yum. Like, that's fine. But ick. Oh. I never even oh. heard of someone say ick. Ugh. Ugh. Give, oh. A phrase I've heard is it gives me the ick, is, is, is one of the phrases I've heard recently. I, I, I know that's that's a little bit more common. And, like, Chantel Roche was the first person I heard ever say first person I've ever heard say don't yuck uh don't yuck my yum or I'm not going to yuck someone's yum and then yeah. when I watched <laughs> that episode it was like my new song don't you know don't ick my yum or whatever I was like that is the it sounds it sounds so insanely gross it sounds so gross please stop thank god it wasn't that great of a song anyway so it's fine <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's no breakup bye bye i'm just saying just gonna put that out there it's it's no ding dang dung (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but i really love to eric king shaming everybody got it exactly (laughs) Uh, 
No, but I really love the performances in this, especially the uh, patriarch and matriarch of the family, um, Roderick and Madeline, uh, Bruce Greenwood and Mary McDonald. Uh, both are amazing. Um, Did you read yeah. who the original actor that played Roderick was and that they filmed for two months before they left the production because of inappropriate sexual behavior? John Barrow. Was it Kevin Spacey? Was <laughs> well, it... No, no it's, it's Frank Lang. It's it, it, dumb, oh, dumb, okay. dumb game. Frank Langella. Oh, okay. But can you imagine anybody else besides Bruce Greenwood playing this role now? He is no, so perfect and walks this line between like horrible, Trumpy, pharma bro, but older, like ugh, person but also somewhat sympathetic. Like I, at moments, absolutely was rooting for him against all odds and all like reason. Cause like, I mean, present day uh, or past present day or past Roderick. I think it's both, <laughs> but I honestly, a present day because like past he's a little ineffectual. He's a little like kind of all over the place. And, yeah. You know, the current one, you can just, like just a tribute to the actor and the, and the writing. Honestly, this, this, this production is amazing. I really, I like Mike Flanagan's stuff. I think midnight mass is my favorite uh, Ooh, of his things. Yes. Um, more so than the other ones, but this might be now my favorite because it's just so densely well layered and put together and interlocking. And there's like a tribute to Poe. I don't think there's anything else that in mainstream culture is, is so, comprehensive and like loving and yet also very modern and a satirical or not satirical, but like a social commentary on medicine and healthcare and, you know, capitalism. I mean, anyway, but yeah, Green Greenwood is an amazing actor in general. This is the best role he's ever played. I think he should get Emmys and whatever's for days because yeah, he's, he goes through it as a character. Roderick Usher goes through it and it, he conveys all of those different emotions. So anyway, sorry. I, I, yeah. I have a lot to say about this and I will not, no, that's fine. I, I didn't realize that it was going to cover all of Poe's works. I thought it was mainly going to just stick with the follow house of Usher, but it goes all over the place and kind of as evidenced by the individual episode titles, which are just, they're all named after his different short stories. Um, and a lot that I had not read or heard of before. Um, so. Yeah, I think um, I'm familiar, I'm only familiar with, with it. three. Um, which three? I'll tell you. We'll tell you if they're in there. Um, though, well, obviously it was at the Raven. Yeah. Um, the uh, Pit and the Pendulum. Yep. yep. Um, <laughs> uh, Honestly, there was I don't think you could name anything that's like. <laughs> mainstream Poe that's not in there in some way, shape, or form. You know? Yeah. So, so I mean, the framing narrative is the, the House of Usher, right? That is the, the framing <laughs> story. That That's the whole arc of the story, right? Um, but the interlocking pieces inside of it are like little vignette, almost they're almost episodic, but they're, they're meant to be because they're individual like kids from the House of Usher. They're individual of the children. Those are the ones where, like, the one you really like, and I also like Raul uh, Coley, his character 
is part of a black cat uh, story illusion. Basically, if you're familiar with the black cat, it involves this you know person killing a cat, and then the cat comes back to life and haunts them, and you know hijinks ensue, right? So that's his uh, his arc, his his sort of uh, you know main episode. Um, I don't want to spoil too many of them, but like Telltale Hearts, there in a pretty cool and modern way. Pin the Pendulum, we mentioned that one's that one's interesting. It, it, they they actually use that in a couple little places. They actually have like the old was it Hammer that did the Pit in the Pendulum movie in like the forties. They have that earlier oh, on, yeah. and then they have then they have. Um, Probably one of my favorite actors in it, only because it's so weird seeing him older, is um, the, the actor who played Elliot in E.T., Henry Thomas, who's, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. who's, who's yeah. Froderick, they call him, uh, basically the, the oldest son who kind of is like a wannabe of his dad. Um, but uh, yeah, so that he, he, he has a little element of Pit in the Pendulum. Uh, the first one, holy fucking shit. Like, that was the first, insane. Oh, like insane. I, I think we'll spoil this. Um because it's in the promo. There is a shot of Carl Gugino, who's actually also an amazing actress in this piece, because she's playing the same character, but she's playing different manifestations of the same character, uh, so to speak. And the one that is not the first one you meet, but the one that's probably most iconic for Poe fans is the Mask of the Red Death. And um, basically the, you know, uh, incarnation of death herself coming to this Bacchanal during the um, plague, you know, in the, in the Middle Ages plague period, or I forgot now if it's Middle Ages or not, but we, you take, the, you know, you know, get what I'm saying. So this is a modern version of not if we had a plague, but what would be similar in that you have a party where people um, uh, meet their unfortunate end. And it is horrifyingly disgusting and just so unsettling. Uh, and then it's like the first full story. I think there's like a little bit of a starting point. It, it's, you, you the, know, it's the second yeah. episode, but yeah. yeah. It's that first full Poe homage episode mm-hmm. that you're like, okay, we're doing this now. And again, if you know Poe, it's really cool to see it interlocking and how it comes up. If you don't know Poe, it's fine. You don't need to. I think it adds another layer of context and it, it may spoil certain things if, if they, you know, they don't always stick. They, they absolutely do not stick like, you know, literally to every story. However, they do pretty close to a lot of them and they modernize certain things, but still use some of the old Poe language, like the, the, the ode to Annabelle Lee or whatever that poem is like, that is like almost the whole thing is in there somewhere bits in bits and pieces. Um, the Raven, of course, is a big mm-hmm. part of the last episode. Um, yeah, so I mean, like every character gets some really cool moments, and like just the cast, like you, Eric, like you talked about. I mean, freaking Mark Hamill. Like, when's the last time we've seen Mark Hamill not just doing voiceover work and having such a great, like, weird little character that he gets to like have fun with but not like you know it's it's, it's a very muted underscored yeah, mark it's yeah. definitely not a fun character but no I mean. but like <laughs> yeah. but what a what a force of nature right mary yeah. mcdonald as mad madeline usher yeah. oh my god i love mary I, i'm a battlestar galactica for, for days right i love that show in fact she's not the only one from battlestar in this um the guy who plays the ceo fortunato which is 
another pro reference, but it's also the pharmaceutical company that the ushers are basically in control of. The old CEO uh, is played by a guy from, um, I think his name was Anders from um, uh, Battlestar, Michael Truco. Truco. Yeah. Um, so I, could, I couldn't place it. I was like, who do I, I know him. What is he from? And then I'm like, oh my God, he's another Battlestar guy. Carl <laughs> Lumley. Carl Lumley from Mantis from uh, Battlestar. I think he also showed up in one episode. He, great TV actor, done a lot of stuff. He's Augustin Dupont, which again, if you're a Poe fan, the Duke Morgue, uh, the murders at the Dude Morgue, the, you never say this right. Rue. Murders Rue. at the Rue Morgue. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. So there is an erotica <laughs> that my boyfriend wrote that is a Poe pastiche that is called uh, Murders at the Dude Morgue. It's it's <laughs> better than the title, right? The title's dumb. But you know, so I, I can't not think of that. Because, again, his, his first, this is partly why I think I've become such a Poe nut. Uh, he also wrote a House of Usher tribute thing, and it's called House of Otter. Anyway, um, but but just seeing all these different cool, mostly television actors. I don't know if you know if that if you realize that or if it was something you noticed. Like these are a lot of just different character actors from television, and they're all in such nice and crazy and interesting roles. That anyway, I I I'm gonna stop talking because I could just you know, uh, yeah. But but Eric, what was your favorite? Well, if you had to pick one of the little vignettes is there is there one that stands out to you that's your favorite uh probably victorians because i i I just love i just love that poe story Mm -hmm. i mean we can tell people it's i mean yeah it's a telltale heart but yeah she's she's a heart researcher i mean it's pretty much it's like okay yeah it's gonna be the one um so so like she's amazing And, and, and i i mean like like when they shoot showed the fake out mm. of her mm-hmm. at first, like I mean, I I I knew what had happened, but I didn't know what would ha- what had happened because mm-hmm. that reveal was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I still haven't watched the last episode. I've watched <gasps> seven of the eight of episodes. So, oh my god. Uh, okay, yeah. okay. So just. There's really no way to prepare you. The only thing I will say, I, I'm just this is just a criticism, I guess. Once you've gone seven, like the eighth is almost all denouement. It's not like there's revelations, but they're not revelations that you didn't see telegraphed coming a mile away. Like, yeah, they basically lay it all out. Like there's an underlying reason all this shit's happening, and you get that fully portrayed. And it yeah, I mean, you, you kind of you together. kind of understand throughout. Yeah. Okay, this is kind of where this is going. So, I mean, I can't imagine it's too surprising. But there, there is a couple scenes towards the end that you're like, "Oh my god!" About, but like, if you've read the House of Usher, if you remember certain things from the that story, like those click into place. And uh, yeah, I let me know when you finish it. Because it's it's a it's a ride. We I, we watched it last night, and uh, I I'm glad I finished it because I was worried I was not like spoiled. Because I mean, there's certain things like you're not going to get spoiled really, but but there were certain things that I'm glad I didn't find out um, otherwise. You know, so uh, yeah, good stuff. Halloween adjacent. I don't think of Poe necessarily as like Halloween, but I mean, I get the spooky similarity kind of overlap. Um, it's just macabre. That's all. It yes. Is. Very much in that macabre spirit. 
uh, I would say do an episode a night and just sprinkle it out throughout the week or weekend or whatever, and just have your little little gem of the macabre. Um, and uh, yeah, eight episodes. Uh, his last big project for Netflix, uh, which is sad, but also I think he probably kind of realized that there's other places for him to tell his stories. And guy's smart, so smart, such a great writer. So there's some monologues he writes in this series that are not Poe. They're very much Mike Flanagan, but they are great. And I, I kind of want to learn one of them because it's so perfect. It's the one that um, Roderick talks about with le- the lemons. Oh like my when- gosh. I was think like, I was like, as that was going on, I'm like, this is brilliant. This, this will get the Emmy for uh, uh, Bruce for sure. I, be- it's such a brilliant deconstruction of the modern capitalist system and it's based around the idea is what do you do when life gives you lemonades? And of course it's like, well, you make, or like, like, sorry, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. Of course, that's the obvious aphorism, but that's not what he says. He's like, absolutely. No, that's wrong. And goes through this whole thing. There's one more monologue that Mary McDonald gets in the last episode. It's almost, almost as brilliant. It's so good. Um, so yeah, look forward to that too. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Fall of House of Usher is, is, has been probably one of the best, uh, things I've seen in a while. So yeah, I'm and glad you make, enjoyed it. It makes me want to go back and finally watch Midnight Mass because I haven't watched it yet. <gasps> yes. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh it is absolutely fantastic. And I, I would say that is definitely a good one to watch during spooky season. It is really good. You get the brother from New Christine which Pat, I know you're, you were a fan of like, you get that brother in this amazingly messed up role as this vampire priest guy. Uh, it's good. It's a good series. And then the, the, the what's her name? Tamerlan, Tamerlane, the actress yeah. that plays her. She's the main, um, like the church person in, uh, and, and in, I know, uh, uh, Zach Guilford who played young Roderick is also, in Midnight Mass. Yeah, I forgot about I him. Mean, being I mean, I knew I knew him from Friday Night Lights. That's where I knew him from, because uh, he was one of the main characters in that. But. Yeah, no, it's a great, great, okay. great show. Um, yeah, BJ Pat, you got to watch it at some point. It's really, really good. We'll see. I haven't watched any of the other ones, so. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, uh, both of the both of the haunting series are good, great, fantastic. <laughs> I've yeah, I've not watched either of them. I, I have friends that have, and obviously, I mean, you guys have, but it, it hasn't been something that has been high on my list. And that list is ridiculously fucking long at this point. But um, but we'll see. They, you know, they, this is one of those things where you don't have to watch the. You don't have to watch the other ones to enjoy. Like these oh, are yeah, no. anthology it's based or all anthology esque. Yeah. yeah, standalones. There you go. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, that is the fall of the House of Usher on Netflix. Go check it out. Let the boys know what you think. And we thank you all for listening in, for enjoying our podcast, and um, being here to just keep us going, doing what we're doing. You can check out our website at flameonshow.com. There you can find all of our socials, how you can email us, get in touch with us. All of the links are there. Uh, also, just linktree forward slash uh, flame on show. You get all of our links there. And uh, yeah, we just appreciate you tuning in and listening to our show. 
go check us out online, flameonshow.com, and uh, maybe even cop a little flame on swag from our shop link on the website. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right. Real quick before I have BJ uh, do our last topic, I'm not really going to do a full topic. Um, had a lot going on and with travel and everything, I have a bunch of little things and just felt kind of weird about like, kind of uh, focusing on any anything or trying to expand on anything made you know make it into something that was a major topic uh, but i do want to touch on i mentioned that i went to san fran my trip to san fran was based around a concert and then it turned into a 10-day trip which uh was fantastic but i went to see death cap for cutie and the postal service i think i may have mentioned it it may have been a one-up when it was announced uh, it may have just been in the group chat. I don't remember. Time is an odd construct, and I don't remember things because I'm getting old. Uh, all right, fine. I am old. Now we, we've gotten past the getting. <laughs> we are just there. Uh, but it is a um, it is a a kind of milestone event and something that I wanted to mention because it is celebrating. This tour is celebrating the 20th anniversary of Death Cab for Cuties, kind of their breakout album. Uh, Transatlanticism, which I believe was their fourth album, and the Postal Service's only album, Give Up. And the kind of fun part about this is not only is it 20 years, but essentially after they toured in celebration of the 10-year anniversary of Give Up, they said that they were disbanding and they were not reuniting, and that was the end of the Postal Service. So Ben Gibbard, who is the lead singer and uh, instrumentist, uh, part of Death Cab for Cutie is lead vocals for Postal Service. It is a side project, uh, kind of indie supergroup. The Wikipedia says that it's a uh, an American indie pop supergroup from Seattle, Washington. But that's really only Ben Gibbard. Um, I know that Death Cab is you know born out of the Pacific Northwest, and then uh, Jimmy Tamborello, who is uh, also known as Dental. And uh, I didn't. I keep forgetting that he's also James Figurine, which doesn't really mean a lot to most people. But there is one song that takes me back years and years and years. Uh, it's was it five 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 six 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 eight 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 three three. And for those old people out there in the room and listening, those of us who T nine texts or have done T nine texting in the past that actually means something to us. 
kids nowadays won't know what that means. So it doesn't have the same uh, resonating factor. Uh, But they, so yeah, after they did their tour in 2013, they also released a documentary and pretty much said that this is it. Postal Service, no longer gonna gonna tour and not gonna do anything. And uh, cut to 10 years later, and they announced that the band would reunite. So not only is it Ben Gibbard, but Jimmy Tamborello and Jenny Lewis. So Jenny Lewis being uh, backing vocals on a number of the tracks on the album. So the three of them full tour and I got to see them in Berkeley uh, at the Greek. So it was a phenomenal show. Um, I cried more than I ever thought I would. Um, (laughs) They literally did transatlanticism from beginning to end. Uh, So Ben Gibbard opened for Ben Gibbard. Death Cab was up first. They did transatlanticism. And then Postal Service uh, closed the show, did all of Give Up, and then did two uh, encore tracks, including the Iron and Wine version of Such Great Heights with Ben Gibbard on like acoustic uh, ukulele, I think, and uh, Jenny Lewis doing the uh, the accompanying vocals there, and then brought everybody out uh, to do a cover of Depeche Mode's Enjoy the Silence. But they also brought out Jenny Wood, who was the uh, the only real like duet on Give Up. Uh, uh, Clark Gable, or no, sorry, nothing better, nothing better. Uh, she came out. They brought her out for that, so it was phenomenal. Got to hear all of the actual vocals, all of the like everything from the album is great, um, and literally just lost it when Ben Gibbard said, um, uh, "Was it, uh, ladies, gentlemen, and days?" This is give up. And I just lost it. It was phenomenal. Um, But it was it was a great reason to go visit San Francisco for the first time and an amazing concert experience. So that I just wanted to bring it up and mention that. Um, But yeah, so let's move on to our and I I mean, I talk about it now, but the the tour is over. So it's not even like I could say, hey, if they're coming to a city near you, go see them. Uh, (laughs) If you've never listened to give up, um, go listen to it. There's also a, a 10th anniversary uh deluxe edition that's got unreleased stuff and remixes and all that so postal service give up go listen to it bj close this out with your topic what have you got for us so in line with spooky season i watched all i kind of binged it hard too i watched all of castlevania nocturne on netflix uh, which is a sequ- a standalone sequel series to uh, the Castlevania animated series. Um, so I know there's a lot of weirdness with the animated series and like how the timeline works, what games they're doing. Castlevania, the original series, mostly adapted Castlevania 3 video game uh, as a series. This one adapts... Uh, Castlevania Rondo of Blood, uh, which was released in 1993, um, and its sequel, Symphony of the Night, which was released in 1997, as well as story elements from Harmony of Dissonance. So it uh, it combines three games into one series. The references are everywhere, if you're familiar with the Castlevania series. Uh, but this one is set in 1792 during the French Revolution. So... Uh, and it follows Richter of Belmont and Maria Renard, uh, which were two playable characters, I believe, in Symphony of the Night. So uh, it's really, go- it's absolutely fucking gorgeous. I don't think I have, it's been a while since I've seen an animated series that made my mouth drop 
with just how fucking gorgeous it is. Um, the music is stunning. The cast is all kind of weird. They're kind of all over the place. Cause I know, um, you've got, uh, Pixie Davis or Pixie Davies, who was Annabelle and one of the kids in Mary Poppins returns. Uh, she was in the sci-fi series humans, uh, Miss P- uh, Peregrine's home for peculiar children, um, she's kind of flip-flopped everywhere. She was apparently in, um, uh, what was that? Uh, she was Secret of Crickety Hall, Crickly Hall. So she's she's kind of like up and coming. She's younger. She's like really young too. Um, so she's kind of in there. And then uh, playing Richter Belmont is um, Edward Blumel. Um, Blue, yeah, Blumel. And he... I know he was in Killing Eve and A Discovery of Witches. Um, But a lot of everything else he's done has mostly just been like dramas. Uh, He was in Sex Education for six episodes. Um, So, yeah. So, he is. this is... I I wouldn't say this is his breakout role, but it kind of feels like it's his breakout role. Um, And he also had a video game role. He was in The the Dark Pictures, The Devil in Me, which are those um, horror video games uh where if you make a decision somebody could die or you can make a decision where somebody could live um so yeah he's he's uh he's really good the whole the core cast is is fantastic i uh, love all their voice work um everybody else is like there's some well-known people but not like super well-known like you would have to actually be looking uh looking for like voice actors in general, um, which I kind of like. So it's not just like big names. It's, it's people like actually in the voice acting industry. Um, and then holy fucking shit, the diversity. Um, you've got a side story with Annette who is uh, kind of like a, um, uh, she, she can manipulate metal is kind of her thing. And her story takes place in actually the Caribbean uh, on a slave a sugar plantation where she was a slave underneath a vampire uh, plantation owner. So you've got a whole, the whole thing is kind of as a reference to how the upper class, especially in French, 1792 France, the upper class takes advantage of the lower class, which is a huge theme that works for today. Uh, But you also have the fact that you have vampires that like to ingratiate themselves to the upper class so they can kind of operate with impunity. So you've got you've got that layer. You've got the idea that you've got a man of the cloth who is more concerned with defending the church than the people. Um, because during the French Revolution, a lot of churches got toppled because a lot of churches supported the status quo, the marquee uh, sort of thing. Um, so you've got that whole, you've got the whole idea of slaves and masters, and there's so many layers to it. You have an Aztecian, an Aztec um, vampire named Ulrox, who is a major antagonist in the show. But at the same time, he is also very much like, I've heard this song and dance before. It didn't work out well for my people. Um, so you, you've, you've got, it's the, the way they interweave the theme of like, what makes a slave, what makes a master, is that the default of all societies, or like of people in general, or 
can we rise above to be something more? Um, and especially Maria, who's kind of a fledgling um, revolutionary, it it's really it's it's refreshing to have all these themes front and center. And it not it's it's the main focus, but it's not the main focus. Like you have ca- individual character development for Richter, for Annette, uh, even a little bit for um, uh, one of the antagonists, Drolta. So it's it's good. And like I said, the the melanin is everywhere. There's a lot of melanin in this season, and that makes me exceptionally happy. Um, so yeah, the diversity of the cast, the diversity of the characters in general. Um, it's really, really nice. And for those of you listening that are like, where's Rick, where's, where's Trevor Belmont and everybody in Sypha, this takes place 300 years after the last Castlevania series. They, they mention in reference to Sypha and, uh, they, they mention like the Belmont family crest and all that stuff. But other than that, this is very much a standalone series. So you can actually start with this series and then go back and watch the other Castlevania if you really want to, if you really want to get to know, uh, what's going on. Did I, have any of you guys watched it at all? No, I haven't watched since maybe, I think maybe the second season of Castlevania. Uh, I, I think, yeah. I really want to watch it, but I'm kind of dismayed that, and I don't know if this was a mutual thing, but Warren Ellis was a big part of why I enjoyed the first, uh, was it three or four seasons of that story? And I guess the new yeah. series is not by him. So I don't know. His writing's still pretty good. The dialogue's still pretty funny. And Oh, witty. yeah. Okay. Yeah, actually, there's well, it's 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 hilarious because you have Richter, who is very much a Belmont, uh, but then you have you, you. I will say this one is this one pushes a little bit more of the dramedy because Drolta is absolutely fucking hilarious. Like she doesn't give a fuck. Um, Allrox is a very compelling character. Allrox is exceptionally compelling. Um, you've got the, the priest is actually really, the priest is kind of like the tortured character of the season, but Richter, Richter and Annette's chemistry is really good. Um, there's the, the music though, the music and the art in this season are just draw jaw, jaw dropping. Um, it's really good. So it's, it's really cute. It definitely feels a little bit like the first season of the original Castlevania, where they were still trying to kind of figure out, figure out kind of the pacing, not really the pacing, but kind of the, like there's a lot more funnier moments sprinkled around Castlevania after season one. This one, it feels like they kind of want to do that, but they also kind of want to keep with it. It's very, it's a very French series. Like, like watch this and I, I dare you to not immediately want to go to a French cafe and get some like fresh baked bread or something. It's, <laughs> it's very French, but, uh, but honestly, the villain, honestly, the villains, the entire, all the villains, uh, there's one or two where you're like, yeah, absolutely kill him. But then like Drolta is probably my favorite. She's the one that kind of has the, uh, I believe she was actually a boss in symphony of the night as a succubus her aesthetic and the way she talks and everything it's really funny like you really end up liking her a lot you don't really root for her but you're definitely you're like please stay on the screen a little bit longer so 
Um, and there's there's a there's a bit more queer. There's some queer storytelling in there too. Um, so yeah, the diversity is everywhere. I definitely would say it's eight episodes. Tw- I believe it's twenty. 27 minutes, 30 minutes an episode. It's definitely worth a watch. Um, they they got me from the get-go. The opening was really good. So, um, yeah, no, if you haven't watched it, it's kind of the perfect easy watch for uh, for spooky season. Nice. I um, It's funny because you say that, like, you know, people are coming there looking for, for Trevor and all that. I'm like, you have not played the original games then because they do not overlap. <laughs> They are no. separate stories completely, um, which I think I might have first played Castlevania with Richter and then went back and had some Trevor adventures. But uh, yeah, I've heard I've heard some good things about it. I, I may have to go back and watch it again. Long list of things that I have not watched because when I find myself at a point where I'm like, OK, let me sit down. I also know that I will probably be asleep in half an hour. So I just put on my YouTube videos <laughs> and I just watch those <laughs> and then wake up three hours later asleep on my couch at two in the morning to some random video playing. And I then shut off my TV and go to bed. Uh, but uh, yeah, Castlevania Nocturne on Netflix now. So go check it out and let BJ know what you think uh, on uh, online on the interwebs, wherever you like to leave your comments, <laughs> maybe on X the website formerly known as Twitter. I hate when people <laughs> say that so badly. <laughs> like either just keep calling it Twitter or just call it X and leave it be. Like I don't need this formerly known as. Anywho, that's another conversation for another time. Although, can I just tell you, I forgot that the uh, Twitter headquarters is in San Fran. And I just happened to be, I was looking, I was, I was at the Lone Star trying to get a lift back to Jamie's house. And, um, uh, it wasn't that far from where the bar was. And I saw it on the map, like looking for lift cars. And then the, the next day we were taking a lift to uh, the ferry building. So I could see the iconic port of San Francisco sign or lettering. And I mentioned it to Jamie and our lift or Uber driver, I forget what, uh, which one our, our driver, uh, it was like, oh yeah, it's across the street from my house. <laughs> He's like, when uh, the, the three or four days when they had that giant flashing X up, it was uh, it was not a good time. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that is kind of crazy that I mentioned it in the car, and it's somebody who lived right there uh, and dealt with the flashing X. <laughs> Ridiculous. All right, well, that is our uh, our topics. Uh, we thank you again for listening and supporting our podcast, continuing to keep us going by hearing your feedback, your comments, uh, engaging with you all online. So we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, uh, post on our Facebook page, send us messages. We'd love to hear from you and uh, keep on listening. And before we wrap up for this episode, we're going to do a round of one-ups. So let's go back the way that we uh, that we came. And Brian, why don't you let us know what your one up is for the month of October? So I just got this when I was in Japan. It came in the mail and I got it and opened up as soon as I got home. Uh, friend of the show, good friend of several of us, uh, Cena Grace, uh, formerly of Marvel and DC. It's a well, still with DC. Uh, Self obsessed being one of his best autobiographical comics and uh oh god what was the one he did with freeman that we met him that had the bear oh man it was an image comic eat the orphanage 
Burn the orphanage. Burn the orphanage. Burn the orphanage. (laughs) That's probably a little safer. I don't know if you want to beat. I don't know if you want to do either one, but yes. Burn the orphanage. Yes, sir. Um, Anyway, uh, he did Iceman with Marvel and a bunch of other good stuff. His new book is out, and it is a Superman YA comic that he not only wrote, but he illustrated as well. It is called Superman, the Harvest of Youth. Uh, It is from Simon and Schuster. Sorry, Simon. Is it Simon Schuster? No, sorry. Penguin Random House. Man, I can't keep anything straight today. Uh, Penguin Random House, but it is a YA graphic novel, and it is about Superman in high school, learning about life, his powers, with great whatever comes great responsibility, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but it is very, uh, it's beautiful. This is Cena's best work. I, I mean, all of his stuff is great, but like he really upped his storytelling and, uh, illustrator prowess for this, uh, series. It's so just gorgeous. Um, it deals with some dark shit like Superman as, you know, Hal or, uh, John, uh, Kent Clark. Oh my God. He actually has to confront, he's got a lot of names. Um, he has to <laughs> confront, some really dark stuff in his high school and uh, one of his classmates killing himself basically and has to sort of wrestle with this, you know, real uh, topic that kids and, and adults have to wrestle with is what do you do when someone, you know, is gone and ha- and they killed themselves. Like, how do you handle that grief? How do you process it? You know, do you, do you go down the path of, well, why could have stopped it if I was a better friend and da, 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 da. So like not something Superman typically has to deal with, a lot of times in the graph in, in the in the comics, he's dealing with mm, aliens and uh, bad guys and terrible, crazy stuff. This is a lot more personal, and it's really touching. And all this thing is, especially his um, autobio stuff, is so really rich and 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 has such depth of like life and just dealing with life. I I'm glad he was able to channel that energy into a book about Superman. It really shows, and it really is a nice little, uh, you know, thing to give to any comics fan or any non-comics fan. They just have to know who Superman is, uh, really, and it's just great. So, Superman: Harvests of Youth. I know he's trying to do a little bit of a book tour, kind of getting around. He was just out actually in Palm Springs, uh, possibly for the event you were at, BJ. Uh, uh, no, I didn't see. It. <laughs> yeah, he was. He posted a picture at the Trixie Motel, and I was like. Hey, wait a minute. There was a bear event. He likes the bears. This this makes sense. There were sense. two um, actually that there that weekend. Oh, well, there you go. It could have been either one. I don't know. Uh actually he may have been the one that the uh another friend of the show, Ace Dad, uh Cody, I think he was at uh it's called Sirs or Mr. I don't know. Some like conferency thing that was going on there too. Um Either way, Cena's getting around, so to speak, and you should check him out if he comes to your town and go say hi and tell him that uh, your uh, your favorite podcast, Flame On, was uh, talking him up because uh, yeah, we love his work and uh, I'm excited. He's supposed to come to Seattle here soon, so uh, I'm very excited to see him again. And yeah, go read uh, his book, uh, Harvests of Youth, uh, from Random uh, Penguin Random House. Yeah. 
you said tell him your favorite podcast was talking about him and all i thought was why are they gonna tell him some other podcast was talking about him tell him we were (laughs) i just do what i do when i want want other people to listen is i just lie and tell them we were talking shit about them and then they listen to a couple of episodes because they're worried i was talking shit about them well then we just start talking shit about them i mean let's i mean that's not why (laughs) listen i am not let's just do it i'm I am not above doing what these YouTubers are doing now and reviewing um, cockpits, rooms. Uh, I don't know. What else are these people reviewing? If you have any of the above and you would like us to review your thing. <laughs> if you have I'm a cockpit or a room? Are those, those are the, the two things that you mentioned? mentioned? <laughs> That's what I've seen people reviewing. I mean, admittedly, the cockpits <laughs> are reviewed on Twitter, X, whatever, OnlyFans. But the YouTubers are reviewing like people's rooms. I I may have seen a dick review on there too. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how that Blue's, escapes the algorithm. Go to Blueski. There's a lot. There's a lot of porn over there. And it's there? Oh, okay, I gotta check the Blueski. Oh yeah, there's a lot. I have I have a code. If y'all, if any of y'all need a code, I think uh, we I, all got. Yeah. Girl, I, I hooked y'all up with codes. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually still I have two more codes. If anybody listening needs one, just uh, hit me up on. <laughs> Hit me up and and I can I can pass out some codes there, but uh, yes, you just got to go in and change your your settings to allow um, sensitive material, and then then the dicks just come flopping out to your feed and <laughs> on the on the blue skis, uh, but yeah, <laughs> so but no, that's awesome. I, I've seen uh, seen a posting about about his Superman uh, book, so I'm glad that is out. I'm glad that it is uh, phenomenal and uh, great job, Cena. Hey, Rick, what you got for us as far as one-ups go? So I saw a trailer for a movie coming out uh, called American Fiction, which is based on the book Erasure uh, by Percival Everett. And this is a, a movie about an author played by Jeffrey Wright, whose books have not been doing too well. And so his agent convinces him to write a more black book using quote-unquote black voice, be more urban with it. So he creates this whole new character and gets wrapped up in trying to sell himself as this completely I don't know more urban type person than he actually is and I wouldn't say it's full on comedy but it reminds me a little of um I never saw the movie. I just saw the trailers for it. But um, sorry to disturb you. Was that it? Uh, the movie. Sorry for bothering you. I think it yeah, is. Yeah. Sorry for yeah, bothering yeah, you. Yeah. Sorry yeah. for bothering yeah. you. Yeah. It reminds me of that in a way. Um, but it looks really funny. It's got. Uh, uh, like I said, Jeffrey Wright playing the main character, but I'll see uh, Tracy Ellis Ross, Issa Rae, Sterling K. Brown, um, Adam Brody, 
there's a lot of good actors in it. So, I mean, he sold me with Issa Rae, so I mean, yeah, <laughs> that, that right yep. there is is worth it. Right there, that's all you had to say. Oh, <laughs> uh, very nice. All right, uh, BJ, what is your one up? So my one up. Uh, so as Brian was saying. Uh, in Palm Springs, there was a couple things going on. I did get to go swing by the Trixie Motel <clears throat> and pick up a couple souvenirs for my podcast, my, po- my podcast brethren. Um, but uh, so that was that was an awesome experience. Uh, shout out to Laura, who um, was actually inviting people to like, you know, take some pictures and order a drink from the lobby and the millennials in front of me just took quick pictures and then left. So I was like, daddy's going to get a drink. Um, so really, really amazing place. Uh, if you are in Palm Springs, please go by there um, when their gift shop opens at 11. Um, they don't, they usually have trouble restocking things cause they never know when stuff's going to get restocked. So I got a lot of, I got a lot of last minute items that may or may not be gone forever. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I got to see the Trixie Motel and it was great. It was just a fun little, I think they had two rooms were, uh, vacant and the rest were actually occupied. And a lot of people were hanging out by the pool and just having a, a grand old, a grand old time. Um, there are no TVs in the rooms. They have all of Trixie's albums on vinyl, uh, for the record players in the room. So I thought that was really cute. Um, yeah, I was going to say me too, but then realized I don't have all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we thought, we thought they were on, I was, somebody asked if they were on sale. They do not sell the vinyl, um, at the, at the, uh, hotel. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really, really fun. Um, I'll definitely be swinging by again. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's other items uh, that'll pop up uh, to purchase later on. Uh, I actually almost got a makeup palette set for um, my Halloween costume, but uh, they didn't have the one I was looking for. Um, so yeah, Which it one was. Were you uh, trying to get? Uh, I think she had like a she had one that was it was it was pretty much every shade of pink you could think of. I can't remember the name of it. Um, all Trixie of them had out a Trixie putting out a pink palette. <laughs> Do but tell. This one was this one was absurd. This was this one was probably like absurdly pink because I think it was nothing but shades of pink. Um, I just can't remember what it was called. It's getting it's gonna drive me crazy because I don't pay enough. I don't pay enough attention to makeup. I only pay attention to makeup when I need it, <laughs> which I feel most women in my life would probably have the same outlook. I only pay attention when I need it. Um, but uh, no, it was a great experience. Uh, if you're in Palm Springs, please, please, please go do it. And um, other than that, honorable mention, I'm looking forward to Spider-Man 2 coming out this Friday for PS5. So, yeah. Very nice. Very nice. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. I am excited to see what comes of Trixie Motel Season 2 as well. Uh, because I will never stay at the Trixie Motel because that shit is expensive per night. So <laughs> if I get to if I if I get to Palm Are Springs, they doing a season two? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck it's gonna be about. I mean unless they're unless they're renovating a second motel. But I I honestly there's a few she's there's franchising. A few, 
<laughs> I mean, there's that, but then there's also one of the things that they, so when you do go there and if they do let you like go into the lobby or let you go out to the pool to take pictures, one of the things she said is don't get the housekeeping carts in the photos because they don't have them themed. So there's little bits and pieces of the place that aren't like, and, and I told her, I was like, oh, she's like, you might think that's weird. And I was like, I used to work for Disney. I completely understand. So like, yeah, it's branding. It's all about branding. And she yeah, was can't like, break the magic. She was like, I wish Trixie was here to see here to hear you say that because most people are very confused when I tell them that. And I was like, nope, I fully understand. So there might be some fine tuning. I could see them doing some fine tuning or um if they, but I don't, it's in a neighborhood. I don't know what's next. I didn't look to see what's next door. Maybe they could, she could buy the house next door and expand the hotel into it. Cause it is small. It is, it is 100% a small little kitschy motel, like California to the max. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm interested in watching that then. I didn't think they would get to do a season two. Yeah. They, it, there's nothing really known about it, but it, it has been greenlit for a second season. So we shall see. But now that makes uh, two of the cast that's been to the Trixie Motel. Uh, Eric, you haven't made it there yet, right? No, to never been to around. Palm Springs. Me either. Me either. But um, one day. I have a I have a place to stay there. That's all I know. That's <laughs> I was uh, told there, there were, I have a room waiting for me if I want to come out and visit. So I'm uh, going to have to do that sooner rather than later for sure. Uh, and actually, that'll tie in a little bit to uh, my one up. I'm actually going to mention two things. Um, a big gay hairy hit. The Where the Bears Are documentary is doing the film festival circuit. Um, so Rick Kopp, one of the stars of and writers of Where the Bears Are, was here in Chicago a couple of weeks ago. Um, I got to go with him to see the film here in Chicago. We did a little Q&A afterwards. Uh, it was a lovely film. Uh, I got oddly sentimental and emotional over a silly web series, but seeing uh, the people that I've become friends with and actually seeing some of my friends featured in this documentary, because there was some stuff that was um, uh, that referenced where the uh, bear city and showed scenes from that. And um, Oh God, what was the other web series? It featured a, a latin it was around more of a, uh, like a latin bears adventure oh like, there's the one I, there's one bulk i know bulk. Of. yes yes so they talked to the guy that was behind bulk and it, apparently one of my friends was in that series because they showed clips from that and he was in it and it was like oh uh josh former flame on host was uh in they, sh- they showed some of the scenes that he was in when he went out and uh and filmed where the bears are so seeing all these people i was like oh it, it was a cute little um, trip down memory lane if you will uh so if you have a chance to see it when it is at a film festival near you or when it streams eventually i'm sure that they're going to find a streaming uh outlet for this film check it out watch it if you've seen any of where the bears are it's a great little behind the scenes um i'll be i'll be honest I haven't finished the series. <laughs> I, 
I uh, I would watch parts of it and then I would just kind of I would get caught up with everything. Uh, and uh, usually they would release episodes or like the season would be like halfway through around this time and I would be doing bear busts. So it, it kind of always just swept up, got, got swept away with everything else going on. Um, and then the other thing that I want to mention is the terror vault. Uh, Peaches Christ's productions um, themed oh, haunted horror experience. So now mind you, you all know and most of the people listening know that I do not really do scary things. I don't really do haunted things. I don't do horror. Um, I will say that I think I've only ever been in one haunted house and that was probably in my teens on Long Island. I never did Halloween Horror Nights. I never did any of these things. So when I was talking to Jamie about planning this trip out to San Fran, he said, hey, would you want to go to the Terror Vault? My initial reaction was, no, no, I do not want to go to this because I don't want to be scared. Uh, But because it's Peaches (laughs) Christ and my one time going to San Francisco, I don't know when I will be back again. I said, yes, because I want to experience this. I want to be able to say that I went to Peaches Christ's Terror Vault. And um, it was at the Mint, the former, uh, is like the former Mint building. Um, it is huge. Like we were up and down stairs. Like we went up at least three flights of stairs and then back down three flights of stairs all around the fucking building. Uh, we had an earlier time, like in the night. So it wasn't as busy when we got there, when we exited, because it's r- almost an hour that you're kind of navigating through this uh, this entire thing. And when we got done with it, so it was almost like 830 when we when we were leaving, when we were finishing, um, like the dance area was packed. There were a lot more people. It was a lot more hopping uh, than when we first got there. But it uh, it has a whole apparently this is like the the most themed cohesive story, like an actual full fledged story. I guess it's been more like piecemeal um, kind of horror bits and pieces as you go through it in the past. But this was an entire, it's called The Initiation. And it's this whole storyline of you're going to, um, it It really reminded me of if you've watched the Dirty Computer Emotion picture, how like you get reprogrammed and like you kind of, it's essentially a cult. Um, and you're kind of, you, you start by being sat down for like the introduction video and like be told, you're told how these people found found the light. So um, essentially it's Scientology because the founder's wife has gone missing and nobody has seen her. So uh, yeah, it's this whole thing. And you, you get kind of bombarded by a rebel that is like, okay, now you're you know glad you're here working undercover with us. And it takes you on this whole thing. And it was a, it was a very interesting experience. Uh, you can get the necklaces, like the little light up, uh, necklaces that if you're wearing them, it allows the actors to touch you during the course of the event. Uh, Jamie bought necklaces for all of us. Only <laughs> he and Barry wore their necklaces. Matt and I both did not. Matt did not even take one. I was like, maybe. <laughs> and then I just put it in my pocket. <laughs> it was like, mm, we'll you should have did it. No, it was good enough. They fucked with me enough because since they couldn't touch me, there were a couple of spots where there's like the the. Uh, panels that drop 
and they do mm-hmm. little like jump scares. So because I wasn't wearing a necklace, those were the ones that I got targeted for. So there were a couple of those kind of experiences through the whole thing. Um, but no, it was fantastic. If you are in San Fran uh, during the time that these things run, go check out the Terror Vault. And uh, we missed Jinx and Dela by one night. They went on Friday. We went on Saturday. <laughs> so, because as I got on the plane to fly to San Fran, I saw Peach's post that there was an iconic drag duo coming to the terror vault that evening. And she was like, and here's a list of people. It is not. It was like Trixie and Katya, Bob and Monet, uh, Willem in Alaska, uh, Lady Bunny and her gerbil. Like, it was like, oh, <laughs> so we, we pretty much assumed that it was going to be Jinx and Dela. Uh, but they, she didn't want to post it because she didn't want you know, to surprise the actors. But then the next day I saw the, the photo of them and we we're just like, damn it. If only we had known and flown in earlier. But it was phenomenal. It was great. Um, so if you have the opportunity to go see it, uh, go do it. If you do not get to do it this year, it, Peaches brings it back uh annually. So go check it out when you have a chance. Uh for somebody who does not like horror, I give it my seal of approval. So that is uh that is my one up taking years off my life from being jump scared at the terror vault. And with that, uh, we wrap up our our October episode. My last one, narrating it as a, a early forty something uh, before uh, before the birthday rolls around. So uh, the other half of our October birthdays is about to happen, and uh, I'm excited about it. So thank you all for a phenomenal uh, another year of podcasting and listening and. Uh, not that the podcast the podcast birthday was already earlier in the year but for me i'm saying that so with that being said go check out our website flameonshow.com all of our links are there or just do the link tree thing with flame on show and uh check us out let us know what you think about the things that we talked about let us know what you'd like to hear us chat about and uh i'll say this because i didn't really have a topic this month i will go on record right now and say that our next uh micro will be a drag micro. I know the couple, uh, there are a few people out there that'll be excited about that. Uh, focusing on UK season five, because um, I feel like we should talk about the fact that they had a queen that they were able to completely, almost entirely. I was going to say, I was going to say show. completely. <laughs> almost completely. I spy with my little eye. <laughs> I sat there and said, wait, which one is it in the background? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, hold on. That's how little I've been paying attention to it, but at the same time watching the episodes, but when they're going, there she is. That's who it is. And then she was gone. <laughs> and just like that. Uh, but anywho, thank you all. Uh, thank you, boys, for the chat. And uh, for those of you listening, thank you so much for being very uh, amazing supporters of the podcast. We couldn't do this without you. So until next time, bye, bitch. Bye. Thanks, everyone. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 